This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Somebody who I thought had a phenomenal game for the Bruins was Hampus Lindholm on the back end. And, um, you know, it's one of those games where it, it reminds you just how dominant of a, of a player he can be, an impact player. And it reminds you of just the significance and the workload that it can take away from Charlie McAvoy, the pressure it can take away from Charlie McAvoy when Lindholm was on his game. Because I remember last year when when the Bruins traded for Lindholm, that first game he played for Boston was against Tampa Bay at the Garden. And I just remember like it was automatic transition. His skating was his his strides were long, his skating was powerful, and you were just kind of like, Man, I don't know how the Bruins decor was so good before they got him. You know, and, 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 um, anyway, so he was, he was back to, I don't want to say back to being himself, but he had a, he had a really, really strong game last night. Uh, the Bruins power play got off the, um, you know, off the schneid, I suppose. Um, but it was in an unconventional way, right? Like it was a, it was a goal in transition on the power play. And that was, that was led by Hampus Lindholm. Um, yeah. And it was on like a a line change too, because the Bruins started their second unit that did not get much done at all. Um, and Taylor Hall was just like passing it over to Lindholm to change off the ice and, and Bergeron and that top unit had started to change on. So it was kind of a weird situation where they're trying to get that first unit back on the ice. And it seemed like they were thinking Bergeron was kind of stagnant. It wasn't going to be able to like turn the speed on and, and head on net. And, but he ended up in behind people because um, he had a really good first step from that transition pass from Lindholm like you mentioned and Lindholm ended up with two assists in the game and I I honestly think that and you might disagree but I think that if the Bruins lost any defenseman for the playoffs um, the one that would really hurt them the most would be Lindholm going down um, just because of the way he's played this year and the offense that he adds Um, not that it wouldn't be huge to lose any of the other guys especially McAvoy but I just feel like Lindholm brings more to the team that gives them the edge over other teams in the playoffs. That's a, that's a, um, that's a ballsy take Bridget. And I, I appreciate you bringing that up because that's something I never really 
thought of. <laughs> to your point, I'm not sure if uh, if I ultimately agree with that, but I absolutely see your point. But and to help your case real quick before Scott jumps in, is that earlier this year they played how many games Scott without McAvoy and obviously got off to that great start. They can also make the argument that most of last year they played without Lindholm and McAvoy led them to, you know, a, a over 100 point team. Um, I I feel like it's taboo to even talk about this because I I don't want to go one I can I cannot with this I can't say there's another defenseman more valuable than than Charlie McAvoy on this team. But if you were to make a one year argument, this would be the year for Lindholm to make that argument. So I think it's a great question to bring up. Yeah, I think it's definitely fair to say like at worst they've been even for much of the season. You know, I in my mind, like I still anticipate McAvoy being more valuable and being like the better all around player by then, just because I think he has a, a higher ceiling, but yeah, obviously Lindholm's had some awesome stretches this season and it took McAvoy a bit to get going. So, you know, like one thing that I think is definitely going to happen is Lindholm's going to get more Norris votes, you know, McAvoy probably missed too much time, but like, that's just the caliber season that Lindholm's having now. I don't know if he's, I don't really think he's like all that close to the top, but maybe he's, I don't know, fifth, sixth, seventh in voting or something like that, which would be the highest finish of his career. You know, obviously losing either one would be devastating because like the biggest advantage of having both of them is that you have that kind of dominant all around defender on each side, on the right and on the left. And you can either, have them split up, which obviously is what they've mostly had for the last couple of months or, you know, put them together for like a super top pairing. Um, you know, I do think when McAvoy's really on top of his game, I think he's ultimately probably harder to replace. Um, but yeah, it's, it's close. And just the fact that it is close is a huge testament to, to the season that Lindholm's having. Yeah, and it also kind of brings us back around to something that I saw you wrote about this week, Scott, and a, a few other Boston um, Bruins beat writers wrote about, which was what Don Sweeney was able to do over the last few years, what was given up and what was gotten back. And the the trade-offs were just clearly wins for the Bruins organization. And, and Lindholm being one of those moves where you – have no regrets in hindsight, at least a year after, you know, the move or in the second, the real full first season that you're having him, that you gave up that first round pick and that package to get Lindholm um, and what you gave up to get Saka when you get rid of Hala um, for him. Like there was just so much that when you really look at it on paper, what was given up for what was received it way in the Bruins favor. Yeah, and obviously the Taylor Hall trade the year before as well, where, you know, you didn't really give up anything of that, you know, Anders Bjork in a second round pick, like who cares? Um, you know, and, and that's even with Hall, like not necessarily lighting the world on fire, but because you got him so cheap in that deal and, you know, and his extensions for 6 million, not 8 million a year, like you're still okay with what you're getting. You're still like, yeah, that was a clear win, obviously. So yeah, it's there's obviously been plenty of things to criticize Don Sweeney for in recent years, but or you know, just over his entire time as general manager. But his recent trades are not one of them. Like he has hit it out of the park on 
I'm going to say like three straight trades of significance and, you know, not like any minor deals or whatever, but his last three, like significant trades, Hall, Lindholm, and then Hall of Fazaka, just absolute home runs. Look, I think if, if you look early on in his tenure as GM here in Boston, like I think that's where a lot of his, his NHL level mistakes took place. Um, I mean, the 2015 draft I know is the is the low hanging fruit, but at the end of the day, like you have to rely heavily on your scouting department for that. And you know the 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 draft was in June. He got hired as GM when. So like even then, it's like you can understand why you know there could have been a miss or two there. But then the NHL deals his first season. It's like they were okay. Right, like the Bolesky contract, I think was was Sweeney, right? Bolesky. I mean, that that wasn't that wasn't great. There were a couple other ones that weren't great, right? But honestly, the last I would say, you know, four or five seasons at the NHL level, he's he's done a remarkable job. He really has, um, and he's 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 improved the Bruins at each and every deadline in different ways. Um, go back to 2019, he brought in Johansson and Coyle. That was clearly a uh, you know, two great additions. One you're still seeing today. Um, and you give up Ryan Donato, like a, a prospect at the mm -hmm. time that, you know, Coyle has been more impactful than Donato would have been. A, a prospect at the time that a lot of people in Boston were high on, right? Because he came in from Harvard and I think his first game, he had like a goal and an assist and like people were loving the local ties. You know, Ryan was a pretty good player, at least you know coming up and whatnot. He's had a, you know, underwhelming NHL career so far, but you didn't, Fans didn't know that at the time, but Sweeney clearly was ahead of the game there. Um, you know, you guys mentioned the Taylor Hall edition, Lindholm edition, whatever. My point is he's done a great job um, at the NHL level. And yeah, I mean, like, like Scott, what was the, what was the total trade last year for Lindholm? Was it, was it simply VAC and nine and a first? Cause I think there was it, another conditional two, pick. Two seconds as well. Yeah. Okay. And, and and why was it that other? So where did the and like John did, Moore can't forget about John? Oh, Moore. Right, right, Johnny Moore, that's right. Well, I think one of the seconds was specifically to include Moore and like retain some money. So like last year, what what were we saying that like Sweeney did that other teams weren't willing to do to get that deal done? Because it because it does blow my mind that that's all it took to get Lindholm essentially that and like that other teams couldn't have matched that other contenders. Yeah, I think it was just the the quantity of picks, you know, for one of them to be a first and then a couple more seconds. Like, I mean, that is a lot of draft capital. Um, but yeah, it, as long as you extend Lindholm and he works out, like, then it's nothing. You know, to, second round picks are flyers. First round pick is what it is. Like, yeah, you don't love giving those up. But again, are you... What are the chances of you drafting someone who's going to make the impact that Hampus Lindholm's going to make now for the next eight years? Like, slim. So, especially if you're picking, you know, in the 20s or, you know, looking at this year, even potentially 30, 31st, 32nd. Um, yeah, it it's – and it's why I think, like, fans should have some confidence in Sweeney going into this trade deadline. Like, he's found – an approach that has worked. And now you want almost wonder like, because so many of the prospects he's traded away, haven't really worked out for other teams. Like you basically have to go back to the Ryan Lindgren for uh Rick Nash trade to find where like they gave up a prospect that actually became something, you know, you wonder like, or would teams be hesitant if they're 
you know, say it's like a Jacob Lauco or a Johnny Beecher on the table where it's like, hey, unless it's Lysel or Lori, like we're really not going to be interested. Um, just because some of those like middle tier prospects that they've given up just haven't been, really been anything. Um, but yeah, it's it, he's found the right formula and he's been able to target guys who have been good fits. So I feel like if you're a fan, like you've got to give him at least a little bit of a benefit of the doubt that he's going to be able to identify, you know, one or two of those guys again this year um, and not, you know, not go splurge on someone who's going to be a bad fit or not, um, you know, or, or identify or go after someone who isn't that good or whatever. Like he's identified good players. So, um, and been able to get them without giving up, uh, you know, key pieces off the roster or part of your core or whatever. Yeah. I think it, it lets us know that the strategy probably is when we hear like the trade rumors, what you'd have to give up to get, you know, Chikrin or, or, you know, some of the, some of the things that have brought, been brought up this week, including for some reason yesterday, a big topic of conversation was potentially, would you give up Jeremy Swayman? Um, I think from based off of what Sweeney's been doing over the past few deadlines and with his moves, kind of should tell you that he's probably hesitant to trade a guy off the active roster, um, including Jeremy Swayman, including, you know, the risk of taking one of your defensemen off the back end. um, If you're going to include, you know, a Grizzly in a trade, I think he's very hesitant to trade people off the active roster. Um, And you're, you know, at the end of the day, you're a buyer at the deadline, which means you're, you're not trying to, lose pieces that have been important to you the whole season. You're not trying to give that up. Um, so I think the mentality for him going into the deadline would be similar to last year, which is your, I mean, I, I'd have to check how much draft capital they have left. <laughs> um, like they, it feels like there's, they've given up quite a few picks, but um, you know, they can find ways to, to trade draft picks still and trade prospects still without really affecting the active roster too much. I think that that's something he'd try to avoid, which would make me think like he's probably not trying to make a huge move unless for some reason the asking price for Chikrin would be something he could deal with um, in terms of player a player off the active roster. Yeah, I mean, they still have all their first their own first round picks. They're just missing their next two second round picks. And when you look at, I mean, the good news is when you look around at the league and other contenders, the contenders this year, are pretty much the contenders of last year and the year before and the year before. So, and they've been going forward at deadlines. So, you know, it's not like the Bruins have an empty cupboard of draft picks and everybody else that they're competing with has, you know, everything in the world to offer. Like people have been giving up a lot um, the last couple of years. The same teams have been giving up, have been giving up a lot, right? 